the idol. No time to argue. Throw me the idol. I throw you the whip. Give me the whip. Adios, señor. Hi, Keith Moreau here of Tech Move. For our fans that last listened to our show in 2012 and wondered what happened to Rodney and I, don't worry. We are about to come out with brand new episodes very, very soon. In the meantime, we have put together a series we are calling The Lost Episodes. Shows are segments we recorded long ago, but were never published and may still have some value to our listeners. You can be the judge of that. So sit back, relax, take yourselves back five to eight months in the past, and enjoy. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Happy New Year to all of our friends out there in Tech Move land. We want to welcome you to another exciting, brand new, not only episode, but brand new year of Tech Move. I am Rod Louie, and with me, of course, my favorite person to do this podcast with, Keith Moreau. Keith, where are you? I'm here, Rod. Thanks very much for for allowing me to be your favorite person on this podcast. Well, happy new year to you. Happy new year. It's a fantastic 2013, and I am looking forward to just talking the death out of technology with you. Me too. And, you know, we haven't really been recording uh, episodes for a couple months. We had a little hiatus towards the end of the year. Yes. Uh, What's kind of interesting is that um, actually our subscribers went up while we weren't recording. That was my plan all along, (laughs) was to not record a thing and then have listenership go up. It's just perfect, because it's basically no work and more listenership. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for not missing a beat whatsoever. Uh, We appreciate all of you who are subscribing, who are listening via uh, Stitcher uh, and all the other great ways that you can listen to Tech Move. We really, really appreciate it. It really really made uh, the end of 2012 really a blast, and we're re-energized and raring to go here in 2013. Uh, so we we thank you so much. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. Uh, hey, Keith. Uh, so how was New Year's Eve? How's uh, so far the new year kicking off for you so far? Anything uh, new and exciting? Because I want to share something with you, uh, if I can, uh, with what I did on my New Year's Eve. Actually, Rod, yeah, lots of stuff is happening. Why don't you go and, and tell us what happened? Well, let me share with you this. I, uh, with my wife, I, uh, we took a New Year's Eve, New Year's Day trip uh, over to the East Coast. We went over to uh, Times Square in New York to celebrate uh, what would have been uh, Dick Clark's New Year's Rockin' Eve. But, uh, of course, with the passing of the great Dick Clark... Uh, we had to rely on on uh, uh, Ryan Seacrest, but uh, nonetheless, we we went to uh, we went to Times Square to celebrate uh, uh, New Year's Eve, and uh, that was quite enjoyable. But the I would almost have to say that the highlight of the trip was yes, Keith, I went 
to B&H Video in New York. You've been to B&H? The mecca for us photographers slash videographers. It was, I'm telling you, Candyland experienced. Wow. I didn't, you know, you didn't tell me about this offline. I did not. That's why I wanted to surprise you during the show to let you know that I have been there. It is a mecca and uh, it was quite exciting. I only wish that I had about a million dollars that I could spend <laughs> money there for. It was, it was quite nice. You know what was so great was that went all that way. And here's the one thing I did purchase. You'll be very proud of me. I'm going to read it to you right now. I have it right here. It's called the Universal Bounce Reflector for my external flash. That's what I bought. Oh. Tw- 20 bucks. Those are great. Uh, it's a really nice uh, kind of hood that goes on my external flash. Of course, this is all for photography, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, to, to, so, uh, so I you know, eliminate that harshness of the flash and reflect it off the top. Is is using this, I don't know, kind of big hood thing that's strapped onto the flash using a Velcro strap. Uh, I actually had made one out of a, a 3 by 14 piece of cardboard painted white with a rubber band around it. Yeah. That, that was my original one. Mm-hmm. And I decided to, uh, to really, really uh, splurge and uh, and get this uh, this uh, bounce reflector, and it looks quite handsome on my uh, on my flash. I really enjoy it. Uh, it is huge. It looks like a nun's habit on top of my uh, on top of my flash, but uh, it works really really well. And for twenty bucks, I'm very very pleased. So that is my memento from B and H. So. So does it actually, um, is it translucent or is it just redirect the light somewhere else? It redirects the light. It, it, it's got, uh, it, it's has kind of like this soft reflector, uh, shielding the inside of the, you know, of the reflector itself. Uh-huh. Uh, and you know, uh, rather than pointing the flash directly at my subject, I'll, you know, of course, uh, uh, shoot it straight up and, and let this reflector just kind of, you know, bounce the light all over the place yeah and, and it's a lot softer it it it, 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 and it doesn't create those weird harsh shadows like you know my pop-up flash or you know uh, the other flashes do when you when you're, you're directly pointing it at the subject okay um that's uh yeah that's actually a, te- a really um great technique for those that uh take snapshots or photos people are just wondering why Snapshots look so bad with yeah. point and shoot cameras or even things like the iPhone. And well, the thing is, you know, the, the the main rule is don't have your main light source right near the lens, right? Uh, because it just makes everything look kind of flat and yeah. have that kind of uh, kind of point and shoot cheap look. So what you've done is you've taken that that light source which is near your lens on the on the flash on your camera, and you've directed that up to bounce and and diffuse the light. And have it coming from many directions. Yes, exactly. And and uh, I get a much better result because when I was using the flash, you know, the pop-up flash or the external flash directly at my subject, my gosh, I mean, you, you couldn't even see the subject's nose oftentimes because it would just be so washed out with all this extremely bright strobe light 
strobe lighting flash. Yeah. Uh, so it, you know, and colors would be washed out. Everything would be white, and it just wouldn't look good. But with this, uh, with this bounce reflector, you know, at least you can add in a little bit more detail than it's still, of course, nowhere near as good. And I think that's probably a technique. Is nowhere near as good as you know regular outdoor lighting and natural light and all this kind of stuff. And uh, but you know, in a pinch, it certainly does make for a for a much nicer photograph. Uh, than the pop-ups or, or, or the direct uh, light source. Yeah, it's definitely a really easy way to convert your built-in flash to something, or built-in or one that's on the camera hot shoe to something that's quite a bit more pleasing, and it's a low, as you have pointed out, a, a pretty low-cost investment to make that huge jump in quality. Right, right, exactly. And, and, and you know, I think... Again, it's it's going to take a little bit of practice, but you know, I'm I'm sure there are techniques dependent upon like, you know, what you know, uh, uh, the distance of where your subject is from the lens and the flash and the this and the that and all this kinds of thing. I could pl- probably play around with it forever, and and still uh, be uh, you know hitting or missing. But uh, but you know, I, I I am pleased with it, and uh, I I think it was a good investment. I think so. I think so. Yep. So, so that is the way that, that that's my big takeaway from my uh, trip to New York City. So that was pretty darn exciting, I have to say. That is really exciting. I I really Thank you. when I go, I actually have been to New York several times, but I've never I've never gone to B and H or any or any of those other um, camera stores there. Well, you know, the funny thing too was that I and I didn't get a chance to go in, but I saw J and R Music World. Yeah, and uh, and Keith, I don't know if you remember when I was a uh, when I was doing DJing way back when, back in the day, I picked up my first uh, pair of turntables from J and R Music World via the back of a magazine. Uh, uh, and having to call up some 800 number and and just give a random credit card over the phone way back in the day. But you know what? I still got those turntables. They still work, and I love J&R Music World. I wish I could have gone in. (laughs) That place is huge. You should see it. It's it's, it's like, uh, I, I mean, it is like a, you know, like a Macy's or a Nordstrom Uh, it's a whole building several floors my gracious it's huge it's absolutely enormous wow well yeah maybe next time i i go there i'll i'll check it out go check it out go check i mean like you could really blow a lot of money in these places undoubtedly it's bad enough online (laughs) right exactly there you go right there you go all right so that was me how about you what happened with you uh well i didn't really have a uh audio visual new year's although a little bit um I and my girlfriend Veronica went along with some uh, several other friends to uh, New Year's Eve party in San Francisco, uh, which was held at this uh, restaurant called um, called. Uh, let me think about what McDonald's. It was Is it called McDonald's? Is it, <laughs> it called? Was, no, it was actually no. on the Embarcadero. Uh, something Thai. Uh, OSHA. Yes, uh, we went to a, a restaurant that was ha- having a New Year's. New Year's Eve celebration called Osha Thai, which is actually right on the Embarcadero, and it was actually facing. It has a has a an opening on the Embarcadero, so it was facing the ferry building, which is it's where they. Very, sh- it's a very nice place. Very yeah, nice. it's a nice. It's a really high class place. The food's great, although they weren't really. They served some of their food. It was mostly just a, a New Year's Eve party thing, not a restaurant at that point. But um, 
but during at New Year's Eve, they actually fired off um, fireworks at, at the Ferry Building, which is for all of San Francisco. And I actually got some video of that on my iPhone, so which actually came out pretty well. Uh, that's my only audiovisual news for. <laughs> that's good. No, I I I think that that's very good, and uh, y- you know, of of course. You know, it's at nighttime and stuff like that. So, how how did the iPhone uh, perform for you? It actually that one of the things just in general about vid- videography or even photography and fireworks is that the fireworks themselves are actually pretty bright. So that's not really the issue. The issue is that um, what happens sometimes is that because usually these point and shoot or cam camera phones have auto exposure, they're they're going against the back a black. Uh, backdrop of the sky usually and then there's these really super bright things which is the fireworks right and so what can actually happen is that the fireworks can actually become overexposed like instead of seeing the detail of the fireworks you just see blobs because they're they've actually your camera's adjusted to the darkness behind behind the fireworks and it's still the largest portion of the of the frame is the darkness so the fireworks become blown out so there's some techniques where you actually intentionally lower the exposure of the, of the of when you're when you're um, v- uh, taking photos or videography of fireworks, you actually need to lower the exposure than what the camera thinks the exposure should be. Um, that so that's that's actually just a common technique that if you ever do fireworks or things like uh, even like recording somebody on a spotlight on a stage, uh, if you use the camera's built-in auto exposure, it will blow out. It'll overexpose the subject. So that's you actually need to lower the exposure. So you may notice in some camcorders and and, and cameras they actually have uh, the spotlight uh, setting. You know, they right. actually have a little icon of somebody in a spotlight. That's that actually is intentionally uh, underexposing what the camera thinks the exposure should be, so that the the background is dark and yet the person is properly exposed. So same thing with fireworks. So I had that's to, cool. Yeah. So I did a little manual adjustment of of um, of adjusting on something that was brighter. So that the exposure would be dark, and then the fireworks came out well. I used my audiovisual skills to make the fireworks <laughs> record well. <laughs> well. Hopefully, you can use it in some sort of documentary or something like that. Yeah, uh, that that'll be good. Yeah, like yeah. some sort of somebody's thought or epiphany or something like that. You can use the fireworks segment. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I'll no. do that, or maybe I'll sell it to some stock videography right. company. <laughs> Very good. Well, that's excellent. Good. Well. Uh, that is wonderful. Again, Happy New Year, and uh, Happy New Year to each and every one of you guys out there listening to us right now. And uh, again, like Keith had mentioned, boy, we, we, we've we been kind of out of commission for the last couple of months uh, with, uh, uh, with the busyness of life and the end of the year and all that kind of good stuff. But, uh, you know, folks, we are... We're ready to rock and roll. We're ready to, you know, get this uh, thing going again and uh, getting ready to entertain you guys with some uh, some of the new stuff that we're getting involved with and all these uh, cool new uh, things that are coming out uh, and that have come out, like, you know, towards the end of last year that we've not really been able to talk about or, and stuff like that. So I, I don't know about you, Keith, but I'm looking forward to just kind of diving in and getting into some uh, some neat stuff here. Yeah, me too. We're going to have a great year this year. I think this is the year of Tech Move. We're really we're really take off. Oh, 
absolutely. I'm 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 anticipating awards, accolades, presidential uh, uh, visits, all this kind of stuff uh, when it comes to a uh, tech movie. Yeah. Not sure which president of which country, but right, exactly. No, it could it, it, it could be the president of my local moose lodge, but uh, nonetheless, it'll be a president of some sort. You're listening to Tech. Well, we want to explore a uh, one of our segments that uh, involves you, the listening audience, and your comments regarding Tech Move. And you know, Keith, it's been so long since we've uh, recorded an episode. I actually forgot what the name of the segment is actually called. I believe it's called Sound Off. Does does that ring a bell to you? Yeah, whatever. Yeah, okay, very good. <laughs> well, you know what? For 2013, we're calling it the Sound Off segment, which involves our listening uh, audience and their comments to us, uh, whether it be via email or through our Facebook page. And uh, I believe, Keith, that we actually had a, a very recent question posted to us uh, via our Facebook uh, page. Is that correct? We actually did. Yeah, this was posted by um, a person named William Hall. And uh, actually, if you don't know William, he's actually kind of semi-famous in San Francisco. He's a he's an actor, and he actually is one of the primary people in the San Francisco Bay Area Theater Sports. Oh. Um, they play every, I think, Friday and Saturday at Fort Mason Center. Um, they have a theater there, and it's really funny. And it's just all improv, and, and they're brilliant people doing it they're really amazing thinking on their feet and creating funny stories and situations um and also there's a lot of audience participation it's a great it's a great date night <laughs> if you're thinking of that and uh, it's also just a great time and there, there's lots of restaurants and other neat things to see in the area too i would highly recommend it but anyway getting back to the williams post uh i'll just read read what williams said he actually posted us on facebook and you can just go to our Facebook page, which is uh, facebook.com slash techmovepodcast, and go there for updates on anything, as well as on our webpage, techmovepodcast.com. And I think we'll, it's safe to say that it being 2013, we're certainly going to be updating a lot more than we did towards the end of last year. So William um, posted this question, and he said, Keith, love the podcast. It awakens and challenges my inner geek. I have a question. Maybe you can help me with your podcast sound quality is so good how do you get the sound so good i occasionally record audio and would love to have a solution to improve the sound oh and improve it without having to take all my stuff into a padded closet or booth is there a simple way to create a booth that i can put on my desk thanks william it's very kind. That's a, yeah. that, 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 that's a, that's a very, very nice uh, uh, comment slash question. You know, Keith, I remember when we first started the Tech Move Endeavor that that was the one thing you and I had in our production meetings, which I think lasted about 10 years. But nonetheless, <laughs> uh, we had our, a lot of pre-production. We a lot of pre-production. Uh, William, I got to tell you, there, it, it's, 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 a, uh, it, it's almost a military-grade secret the way we had to put this thing together. Uh, but that was one of our big things, is that we wanted really super good audio quality in this podcast. 
You know, the thing is, what's so strange to me about a lot of podcasts that specialize in audio visual stuff is sometimes the audio is really bad. Oh, you know, uh, and it, yeah, I, I agree with that, and that was one of the things you and I talked about uh, uh, often was uh, the, the the differences in 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 phone lines that they would use or qualities of stuff. It, it, it was just so mismatched that you could definitely tell that they were in you know different locations and all this kind of stuff. Right, and the thing is, we're supposed to be the experts in this technology, so if we produce a podcast that doesn't sound very good, it doesn't give us that much credibility. So that was why it was really important to us. So we went through the, jumped through the hoops and went through the work of investigating what was the best way to do this podcast. And we'll be talking about that part of it um, in a later episode. We're going to call it the Tech of Tech Move, uh, probably in the next episode or future episodes. And it'll probably be a multi-part um, segment because there's a lot of stuff that we need to talk about. <laughs> and, and especially a lot of trial and error that we went through. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we could talk about the history of yeah. all the trial and error. But, uh, but just to quickly address um, William's question, and I'm, I'm not going to read my answer. You can go to the Facebook page to read it. It's a pretty succinct answer. I'm just going to kind of conversationally talk about what I, what I wrote to William, uh, which is, so what we're talking about is there actually is this concept of a kind of a, a way of putting something around your microphone uh, that you're recording with to minimize the amount of re reflections that the microphone is hearing from around the room or other extraneous noises. And you can even see these things. You can go to Amazon or eBay or uh, J&R Music <laughs> uh, to find these things. <laughs> right. And uh, what they are is they're a little half dome or half uh, circle of absorbent material. Um, sometimes it's, it's an expensive piece. Sometimes it's a pretty inexpensive piece. I mean, I think I've seen some for like two or $300, uh, and some as low as $30. Uh, what they are is they're a thing that kind of uh, half encloses the back of your microphone, the opposite side of where you're talking. And I, and I know that they can be really effective because uh, a lot of the bad sound that we hear is from all the ambient sound and room sound that we're recording along with what we really want to record, which is our voice. Sometimes just having a, a directional microphone can help a lot, but still, even with a directional microphone, uh, it will pick up other stuff around the room. So there is a a pretty good way of, of purchasing one of these devices or even making one yourself that does absorb a lot of those a lot of those extra sounds. Now both you and I, Rod, actually do not use those particular devices for our recordings and I think we get pretty good sound. Uh, part of it is because our ambient room noise is pretty low and part of it is we're using good mics and they're unidirectional mics and one of the main things is that we're actually recording really pretty close to the microphone. Our, our mouths are quite close to the mics. And that's really the biggest thing about recording audio is if you want good sound, you have to get the mic as close as possible to the source. The closer you get it, the less noise you'll get, the less unwanted sound you'll get. And that's really the key. Um, if you don't do that, no m amount of treatment and, and other devices is going to really help. That's really the first priority. Get the mic close to your mouth. That's absolutely right. You know, like when I was DJing and stuff like that, and, you know, we, we do like uh, weddings and stuff like that, you know, when a best man would, would give a toast. And one of the worst things that could happen is when the best man holds the microphone down at his waist. And then, uh, you know, you can't hear anything. You know, you, you always got to prompt them to put the mic up to your mouth. 
that's that's where it should be and and, and i guess the the same principle is is here you know the closer it is to your mouth the better the signal you're going to get exactly and you'll even see that in rock singers and rock concerts you know they're practically eating the microphone right like my like my hero Michael McDonald, who uh, I think constantly I, I think he has a microphone uh, taped in his esophagus. I think I think that's what happens. Yeah, and one of the drawbacks is, is that usually the mics are just dripping with saliva. Right. They have to be dried out yeah. after each performance and, and, and steamed and disinfected afterwards. Or not. Right. Right. But. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So that's really the key. Now, one of the drawbacks is is that when you get it close to the mouth, you have a uh, artifact that can happen with called plosives, and that's it's it happens when you say certain uh, consonants into the into the microphone from a close distance, and something like a P will actually do that. And for example, I'm just gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna say a P into the mic, and just you can see how that P P P. P. Ooh, I got that in my eye. <laughs> but um, so that's called a plosive, and. And so there's lots of ways to combat that. If you have the mic very close to your mouth, you will get that. But you can put uh, things in between your mouth and the microphone that will lower that plosive sound quite a bit. A very simple thing would just be to put a foam windscreen over the microphone, which lessens it to some degree. You could put um, a really uh, high-end windscreen on the microphone, which is more like a layer of foam plus a layer of, of fur, on top of it, that's actually what I'm using right now. You can also use another thing called a pop filter. I think you're using that, right, Rodney? That's right. That's what I'm using right now. I'm using the, uh, the what they call it, a professional mesh pop filter. Right. You want to describe that? Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, what it is, it's a, what, the probably about a five, five and a half inch disc with what would essentially be a nylon stocking covering uh, the uh, their circumference. Of the disc, it attaches to my. Uh, uh, I have it attached to my microphone stand, and I have it in between myself and the microphone, and it seems to work pretty well. So that's that's a really good solution, and all of these have pluses and minuses. Yeah. I think that no matter what you're doing, even if you use that that other thing we talked about at the beginning of the segment, which is the the thing that kind of encircles the mic on the backside, you still need to have a pop filter and you still need to get close to the mic you can choose to use the thing that i use which is a really high-end uh, screen that actually goes on the mic itself or you can use uh, something like what rodney uses which is essentially it's a translucent barrier but it actually will intercept the the sound of the plosive before it gets to the microphone and really reduce that either way getting close to the mic and using that pop filter is pretty much essential to recording good audio yeah, and I think you do see this pop filter, the one that I'm using a lot in, like, you know, music videos, especially when they're doing, like, kind of, uh, like, recording studio kind of uh, segments on a video. Uh, they use these things all the time. Yeah, that's that's really the common one that's used a lot. I I used to use that, and I still use it when I'm recording things where I don't need to look at my computer, but I was finding that the... Um, the extra setup of putting the pop filter in the right place and, and and you have to have it on a little gooseneck so you can move it around uh, to so it's in the right spot. Plus the fact that it would sometimes obscure my vision. It was in the wrong, wrong spot and I have to look at my computer screen on when I'm doing this podcast. Uh, so I, I transitioned over to a different system of recording, which I like a lot. It's a headset uh, microphone made by Sennheiser and it has really good headphones. Plus it has a pretty good dynamic mic that's on a little arm that goes right in front of my mouth. 
and it gives me a lot of freedom because I can move my head around. I don't have to worry about keeping keeping so still. It also doesn't obscure my vision. It's kind of the it's the kind of system you'll see on like sports announcers when you see their occasionally they'll they'll cut to them in the booth and they're talking. It's that kind of mic. Right, the headset with the with the little mic boom coming out of one of the ear cups. That's right. And the quality is probably not as good as something like your setup, Rodney, because you can have a really nice mic, big microphone yeah. behind the pop filter, yeah. whereas my mic has to be, by nature, it has to be pretty small, small diameter and small size, so it's not quite as good as yours. I'm willing to trade that off, especially for in the situation where it's not like I'm recording a, a song or something. And that's a very important point too, Keith, isn't it? Where, you know, it, it certainly depends on what William's going to be recording, right? I mean, if we're, you know, just doing our, our podcast and stuff like that, yeah, we want a good recording and stuff. But, you know, like you said, you know, your, your, your setup works well for the spoken word. You know, we're not, we're not trying to sing or anything like that. Uh, and, I don't and, need to demonstrate my, my seven Right, exactly. Yes, yes. That is that. Whereas I might because uh, because I have a fuller microphone. So yes. Which I've been known to do, and maybe in t- maybe this year, maybe I will demonstrate that. Really? Well, uh, <laughs> you know, we'll we'll have to have that for maybe our gold elite subscribers. <laughs> If, if we ever come up with something like that, but nonetheless. Uh, Maybe we'll have them enter a contest to be able to listen to that episode. I, I, I'm sure that <laughs> our subscribership will just go up because of that. Uh, but yes, I mean, you know, I, I think it depends on what you're recording, right? I mean, like, you know, uh, you, you wouldn't use this for one of your documentaries or anything. No, I probably wouldn't. I would probably use your, your type of setup. Right. But it's a possibility that if I was in a situation where I just wanted to do something really quick and I wanted to do some narration that I... Because I occasionally do narration on on some of the things I produce. I might just whip it out and do it if I want to just get it over with and do it quick right. rather than doing the whole setup. Because it's really pretty easy. I just plug the system into a little XLR to USB converter, plug the headphone jack. It's it's very, very simple. It's it's so easy to just set up and 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 start recording. So... I might do it occasionally, but probably if I wanted the best quality, I'd, I'd use your system. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. So Thank you very much. Thank you for validating me <laughs> and my 30-year-old microphone. <laughs> it's not the age of the microphone. It's the quality. It's the quality, and, and that's we, what we I can love tell, about it. Yeah, and we can tell that that's a good mic. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. So hopefully that, that addresses um, William's question, and then in future episodes we'll go further into the really hardcore tech about how we, we record this episode. Oh, boy, and is there a lot? I'll tell you that much, gang. There's a lot that There's we went a lot. through. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, William, thank you very much for the, uh, uh, for the question. And again, uh, ladies and gentlemen, you can ask us questions via our Facebook page, which is, of course, at Facebook, and we are Tech Move Podcast. Uh, you can find us on Facebook there. Uh, or you can email us. Uh, a question that you have off of our uh, website, and our website is also techmovepodcast.com. Uh, you can hit us up there. And, uh, you know, if, if we find a, a question and, and, it's, uh, and it's, you know, just that right type of question, we'll uh, be happy to address it uh, on our next podcast. So keep them coming. Keep them rolling. We'll be ready with answers. We'll be right back with more right here on Tech Move.
here's a segment that we haven't done in a little while. And this is uh, one of my old favorites, and it is the teach me something I didn't already know. And Keith is usually going to come out here and tell us something that, you know, uh, most of us were maybe not familiar with or whatever it is. And uh, so, hey, let's learn something. Keith, teach me something. Okay, I'm not sure if this is something you, you may know this already, Rod, but for a lot of people out there, especially beginning videographers or cinematographers, uh, there's something that's kind of subtle, and you wouldn't think that it's really that turning big of a the deal. power button on. <laughs> that's part of this. Yes, actually. Yes. there is a power. button I've had a involved. problem with that before, but go on. <laughs> or like, is it plugged in? Or taking or the, the lens cap off, which I think we've all done. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. Go on. Go on. We've both been in tech support before. Yes. And it's like the first question: Is it plugged <laughs> yeah, in? Exactly. Is the green light on, or is it amber? okay sorry go on go on go on anyway besides that um so there's a concept out there called an eye light um or a catch light that's another term for it and this is something that's actually kind of important especially when you're doing well it's 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 meant for when you're recording people that are either looking to the looking into the camera or looking at an interviewer just to the side of the camera um and what and what it is is it's actually a reflection it's a light a reflection of light in somebody's eyes. And um, sometimes sometimes you'll get it naturally. Like sometimes there's a light source that's behind the camera, like the sun or or something else, maybe lighting in your particular lighting setup. But but a lot of times you might actually be shooting with, with the subject back, backlit where there isn't some natural light source. This actually uh, came up several times with me during the Virgin America shoots. And it was actually something that I wished I had, and I don't think it resulted in too much um, bad video, but it could have been even better if I had this. And it's basically a light that is somewhere in front of the person. It doesn't have to be really bright. All it is is to make a little dot of light on the person's eye eyeball. So there's a little reflection. So the, the videos didn't turn out that badly, but they could have been better with this particular thing. So I actually have larger lights that I can do this, that I can mount on the top of my camera, but I ordered a small LED light that I can put on the top of the camera just for the purpose of a little bit of fill, if it's necessary, and the purpose of an eye light. And that way, whenever I do an interview, no matter the situation, no matter the lighting, I'll be able to add this catch light or eye light into the person's eyes. So it's just something to consider. Just always, always look at the person's eyes, and if they're just dark, like there's no reflection in them, they're going to have this kind of dead look to them. Just notice some videos have it, especially videos that are shot uh, at an amateur level. Uh, sometimes the eyes will not be lit up. And then you look at a nice interview or pretty much any scene on TV where somebody's talking. They have that reflection in their eyes. So that's called an eye light or a catch light. Now, can that be... I understand the principle of it. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at examples right now as we speak about it. And I... Let me understand this. Is the catch light or the eye light a specific type of light? Or are we talking about any kind of light that is kind of, you're able to dial into it and, and just get a little bit extra, shall we say, highlight? It really could be any light. It could actually be even, if you're doing an interview, it could even be the lighting that you're using. And so a lot of times when I'm doing an interview, I don't make a point out of adding an, an eye light to the scene because... Mm-hmm. I've got so many lights around this person that their eyeballs are like, you know, billions of little lights reflecting. So it's not, that's not a, 
issue in that situation. But it could be any light. And you don't necessarily want the light to be super bright because it'll just blind them. Right. You know, they'll be looking into because it has to be kind of in front of them. So it's if they're not looking right into it, they're looking pretty close to it. And that can be annoying to look into. Probably larger is better because then it's a larger surface area that can reflect in a larger surface area on their eye. And also it spreads out the brightness uh, across a larger area. So it's not quite as annoying to them, not quite as disruptive to them if it's just a, a, a lighter lamp that's spread over a larger area. So so basically what I'm going to do and what I got is I got this really inexpensive uh, little uh, softbox that's actually meant to go over a flash, like a like a, one of those flashes that you put on your hot shoe on top of your DSLR. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's like one of those bounce light type of uh, flash accessories. Yeah, it doesn't, except it's not really bouncing. It just it encloses the whole light in front. Mm-hmm, right, to pre- soften it and stuff. Yes, yes, and makes a larger surface area for the light Right. Light source. So it just it's just about a six inch by eight inch square. Wouldn't you say, like for you cinematographers out there, it's almost like a matte box just for lights? It is. It's And the actual term is, in the cinematography world, is softbox. Softbox, softbox. Soft yeah, okay. and I use softboxes all the time. They're these gigantic tents that go over your lights, and they usually have these rods that are kind of bendable, that are part of the frame. Yeah, that that help it hold a little bit of rigidness to it, right? Right, or else I'll just flop over. Exactly, kind of like a pop up tent. Mm-hmm. And then stretched across the flat part of the front is a big white silk, some type of translucent material, and. Inside the box uh, is usually a metallic, like a, a foil type of reflective surface so that all the light that's bouncing around kind of gets reflected towards the front and then just, just caught in that white translucent material and then presents itself as this big surface area. So that's I use that all the time for interviews. And all it does is really just makes the surface area of the light bigger, which softens the shadows and is usually more appealing. Um, but th- but I'm talking about a kind of mini version of that. Something you just mount on your camera, the the LED light or whatever lighting you have on your camera, just mount it up over that, and it makes a larger surface area, reduces the amount of glare and point source of the light, makes it a little bit larger in their eye. That's what I'm probably going to bring with me pretty much anywhere that I think I might be interviewing people. I could even bring it outside. A lot of times I'll be interviewing people, and the lighting is so harsh, like like the sun is so harsh that I'll just ask them to step into the shade, and then I'll have the the background lit, but they're kind of dark, and I'll just overexpose the background. Mm-hmm. In that situation, there's no eye light at all because you're you're maybe against a building or something, and there's no light source. So that would be a situation to use that. Mm-hmm. So I would advise that it's there. You know, you can get something pretty inexpensive that'll work, and just bring it around. Something that's probably light and portable, so it's not a big hassle to bring it. But I would just say that's really important on anything when you're shooting people. Well, you know what? I I just purchased a um an LED light for the camera. Uh, it has like 120 little lights on it. You know, it, uh-huh. it's one of those uh, little rectangular boxes uh, yeah. that, that fit on a, on a hot shoe on the camera. Yeah. I bought one of those for real, really cheap, really inexpensive. It was pretty highly rated around, around the internet and stuff like that. Uh-huh. Uh, variable control, you know, it, it can be, you know, full blast or you can, you know, turn on ever so slightly do you think something like that could work for me as a catch light yes it definitely could and you should experiment a little bit you know maybe you can use your wife as a guinea pig i know she likes that yeah and 
Yeah, right. <laughs> she loves doing that. Right. Just pose for me. While right here. That happens with spouses, doesn't it? They hold become your, hold your this filmmaking. pitchfork. Hold this pitchfork in a certain way. Stop moving. Stop crying. <laughs> it's like Poor the thing. It's like the obligation of spouses to be yes. our, our models and subject matter for all of our gear and tests. Uh, absolutely. And <laughs> and you know, and, and just on an off note, I oftentimes make her be my uh unit one camera person. And oh really? Yeah. Well you've entrusted her with Well with because or- well look, because she doesn't like talking on the mic and so I have to talk on the mic. So I can't exactly shoot and talk on the mic. So I'm so I have to just ask her, please hold the camera and <laughs> hold it relatively still. <laughs> And please look through the viewfinder. Don't look around. <laughs> well, you're just off. Right, right. I mean, and then like half my head is cut off at the end. Shaky. Or in the it's mic. Actually, in it's the actually mic. really good that she never listens to these podcasts. Right. No, it's fantastic. Because, <laughs> no, she, she, she can't. She can't get through like two minutes of it. So anyway. So say whatever you want. Say whatever. I'm going to go with whatever I want and have it be out there. But, you know. Holy mackerel. <laughs> I, I might have just lost my unit one uh, camera person. <laughs> if she does decide to listen. It'll be like, you know, you're playing it on your car and it's some trip and it gets to this part. You just immediately right. like rip out the, <laughs> rip out your iPod right. from the exactly. deck. Exactly. Just like throw it out the window. Oh, did that, how'd that exactly. happen, honey? <laughs> exactly. Just terrible. Uh, but but so so my LED thing could work r- really well and 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 I should really practice with it and see you should yeah I think you should practice and you should see how glary it is because that's an issue you probably want to at least put some kind of diffusion on it uh you uh, mean on the light yeah I think right. doesn't yours come with some type of little panels you can put in front of it it does it does it has it has a clear panel which diffuses and then it also has the how do you pronounce the word tungsten Dif- Tungsten, uh huh. Mm-hmm. But they're are they both kind of translucent or are they pretty much opaque? Like you can't see the little light bulbs in, behind them. Uh, you cannot see the light bulbs, but but they're pretty. I mean, they they do a great job. It, yeah. it, it doesn't it doesn't really take away from the light as far as power goes, but it certainly does as advertised, which is it softens it and then it you know adds this you know orangey color to it and stuff like that. Yeah. So I would suggest that anything that will just make it a, a a blank white light source is better than seeing the little the little LEDs that are just these point sources that are really bright and annoying. Right. Right. Yeah. So that's the first step. And then if you want to, you can get the fifteen dollar softbox to put on the front of that. Okay. All right. Cool. So I I have yet to actually try my softbox, but it's a pretty good deal, and it's actually it's very portable. It's just like it folds up into a little envelope, and that's about it. So it's something that I could probably take with me anywhere. I could just imagine my camera with the mic, with the light, with the soft box, with the, you know, cold shoe adapter that I have. My gracious, that thing will look like, it'll look like Frankenstein. <laughs> it'll, it'll look so funny. Yeah. Well, it'll look like me, how I look all the time. You're <laughs> right. <laughs> you, you with your two camera tree hanging off your belt. <laughs> so, so anyway so that's that's the importance of the eye light so don't leave home without it 
That's great. Okay. You know, I did not know that. And uh, I'm I'm glad that you you taught me something here. So folks, look at eye lights out there or catch lights, uh, which is another term which I found on the internet. And uh, it will show you a, a, a nice little example of what that is like. And uh, it can add a little bit of flavor to your uh, to your images. So that's uh, I just learned something new. Thanks a lot, Keith. You're welcome, Rod. Okay, fantastic. Great segment. And uh, stay tuned, kids, because we got a lot more right here on Tech Move. You know, on one of our previous episodes, uh, we had uh, talked about a little bit about how Keith was just in either mid-purchase or he had purchased a Sony FS700. Uh, Isn't that right, Keith? That's right, Rod. Yeah. And uh, so, you know what? I, I would imagine now, uh, by this time, you've had quite a bit of time to mess around with the thing, uh, at least get it and mess around with it for a little bit. Um why don't you give us a, a little product review of uh, your thoughts on the unit? Right. Well, I ordered this back in, I think, June when it was announced. And at that time, it was so popular, there was a back order of a few months. So I eventually got mine, I think, in early or mid-August, something like that. And But I was so busy at that time with a bunch of different clients and shoots that I, I didn't have a lot of time to really use it. And I didn't want to be using this brand new device on important shoots. So as I usually do, I, I will use it on some less important shoots or just kind of learn about it. And so I uh, really didn't have a chance to even even crack it open and really use it for a couple months. But I started using it um, a little bit here and there. Um, well, there are a couple things about it. Uh, so basically I got it to replace my FS100. The FS100 and the FS700 are two of Sony's latest Super 35 camcorders that have uh, interchangeable lenses that use the the Sony E-mount type of bayonet lens mount. And I kind of reckon remember that these cameras have a form factor of essentially a square. Square cube. Yeah, they're kind of rectangular. They don't have the traditional side-mounted uh, LCD viewfinder. It's top-mounted, right? It's top-mounted, actually? Right, it's mounted on top and it flips up. It's a little bit like a view camera, like a waist level view camera, but you can also use it straight ahead. Yeah, so they have they have that type of uh, viewfinder. It actually is most of the time okay, especially if you're shooting from either eye level or or below. If you're shooting above eye level, then kind of unusable using that LCD. Right, um, and, and sometimes even to the side there's some limitations. So I think they went through a lot of design process to actually come up with this pretty innovative and new design. And I'm not sure if it was that well received because pretty much everybody that all the, all the big cinematographers that have used these devices, use these camcorders are um, not that happy with the design. Mm. So personally, I don't think I'd use a built-in LCD on almost any camcorder at this point because they're usually pretty bad. Especially the, the the Super 35 ones. Uh, with Super 35, a lot of the reason you use that is to get a shallow depth of field. And because of that shallow depth of field, it's kind of hard to focus unless you have a lot of focusing aids and you have a pretty good viewfinder. And sometimes the built-in ones are just not that great. 
And so you can be a little bit out of focus and you don't know it. <laughs> well, and, and then isn't it most of these onboard uh, uh, screens, they're really no bigger than what, three, four inches or something like that anyway. So you, yeah. you, you, you probably need to monitor up with a lot bigger screen. Yeah, to really see if something's in focus, you need to either have a loop, which is a little magnifying, enclosed magnifying glass that's next to the LCD, and or have a really good um, eyepiece type viewfinder that's built in, or the combination of the two. And also the DSLRs just traditionally have really bad LCDs. The resolution on their LCDs is really bad. And they don't have focusing aids, so you have to get a electronic viewfinder to even do any kind of real work, real like run and gun work. If you're stationary and you have time to use the electronic zoom feature to kind of get things in focus, and if the subject's not moving, then it's fine. But anything else other than that, you really need to have a EVF. Uh, like I'm using the Zacuto EVF, which is an excellent uh, electronic viewfinder, which has a whole bunch of focusing aids and zoom, and you can put it wherever you want. It doesn't have to be a specific spot that the camcorder manufacturer decided to put it anyway getting back to the kind of bad yeah potentially bad uh lcd characteristics of the fs100 and the 700 that part's the same now the parts that are different about the two is that is that the fs a 700 has built-in neutral density filters and the fs100 does not which means that if you are shooting outside or in situations where there's a lot of light and you want to get shallow depth of field you really have to put a filter on the front, a neutral density filter on front. Uh, in the case of this FS700, it has three different settings for neutral density, so it can actually get you through in a lot of situations, and you don't have to put that extra filter in front. So that can save you a lot of time and trouble. You just click it into place. So that, that's more like a traditional camcorder. Now, the other big feature with the FS700 is that it actually has uh, pretty high frame rates, it actually has up to 240 frames per second at full HD. Wow. So if you're doing any kind of sports or any anything really where you need super slow-mo, which is really kind of the rage nowadays, uh, there's a lot of ramping, you know, where you see people moving in normal motion and they suddenly stop and they're moving in. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like that matrix effect. Sure, sure. I mean, they even use it just for people walking slow. Yeah. It's kind of overused now, but if you want to... Yeah. If you want to show off and right. and show the thing that everybody's doing, and you you need a good camera to do that, right? Exactly. Yeah. So you either need the two hundred thousand dollar Phantom high speed camera, or you could get this FS seven hundred for about seven thousand. Right. So um, that's one of the reasons I got the FS seven hundred was for the the high speed frame rates, which honestly I haven't used a whole lot. <laughs> oh, you have not. I have not. I mean, I used it a little bit, but I didn't use it in a situation that really needed it. I actually used it for somebody drawing uh, on a canvas. Well, that that Would, needs high. That, that's <laughs> very slow mo right there. Yeah, it, it, you could tell it was slow motion, but it didn't really demonstrate the the value of that right. feature. I'm, I'm going to say some good things and bad things about the FS700. The good thing is is that it works really well and it's very solid camcorder. In my opinion, it seems a little more solid than the FS100. Maybe that's just because it's heavier, but I think just overall the build quality is a little bit better. It's got a much better top handle that comes with the unit. It's just a big solid metal top handle, whereas the previous FS100 had a kind of a versatile but pretty cheap top handle. And it's got the neutral density filters, and it's got the, the high speed. It actually has SDI outputs, which stands for Serial Digital Interface. And you may have seen those, Rod. It's, they're these 
BNC type connectors. Yep, I have seen those. Yeah, so what that is is that's a a very versatile and and professional type connector, really kind of a bulletproof type connector that's used to actually send out kind of like an HDMI signal, but instead of using a really thick HDMI cable that has can pull out easily, it's got this locking type of cable called a BNC. They can be very thin. It looks very old school coaxial kind of look. Yeah, it's a coaxial cable, in yeah. fact. Well, it's basically old school, but it's used for, in this case, digital information. Mm-hmm. So it was used in the past for analog information, but you can use the same connectors for digital. And it, that's a really good thing because you can easily plug other digital devices into this port, you know, like recorders and things like that. And it's not so fiddly as an HDMI connector, which is really a consumer connector. It's not meant to be plugged in and out all the time, and it's not locking, and it, they're easily dislodged and pulled out. The full HDMI connectors are better than the mini HDMI connectors, which tend to just pull out and break all the time. But even then, the SDI is better. So it's got those features, and it's 4K capable, which recently found out that to add 4K capability probably will cost about $15,000. So I'm not sure if I'm going to do that or not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I didn't really get it for that reason. Hold on. Cello's barking. I need to shut her up. Yeah. I'm going to just keep recording. Yeah. I hope the SPCA didn't isn't going to be listening to this. That was really good. I've, I've already forwarded <laughs> my my complaint against you. Chell is a cute little American Eskimo dog that it seems to have the hearing of of Superman. She can hear like jingling keys from fifteen blocks away, and she thinks something somebody is outside. Oh, that's great. <laughs> anyway, getting back to um, you have a camera that has a mini HDMI connector on it, right? Uh, you know, actually I do not. Oh no, actually I do. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but I never use it. Right. Right. Um, so I use them all the time. They're, they're kind of like a regular HDMI connector, which I'm sure everybody's familiar with now in this digital age where everything has that connector. But the mini HDMI can, is really just a small version of it. And, yep. and yep. it, it tends to get loose and pull out and break. A lot of consumer camcorders have that. And some, some of the, the higher end camcorders have the big HDMI connector. Anyway, the SDI connectors that much more professional and useful and it has all the same amount of digital information in it that the hdmi has so uh have i used that no i haven't used that connector yet on the other 700 (laughs) 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 but it's there that's always a good thing and then just overall mounting the the lenses it's the same as the fs 700 it uses the e-mount connector uh, which is kind of a Maybe not as robust as some of the other bayonet-type connectors out there, but certainly usable. Also, the picture quality on the FS700 is awesome. It's, in my opinion, way better than the FS100. You mean the the shot that you can capture is awesome? It's the best image that I've ever been able to capture. Really? Yeah. It's way better than the FS100. It's way better than DSLRs, in my opinion. And it's got really good highlight characteristics like like the DSLRs have, which have that nice filmic roll-off in the high-end. The FS700, in my opinion, has that, but it's even better. So just from an image quality standpoint, I love it. It's I was amazed. I took some, some shots, and then I blew them up for stills, and they, were, they looked like photos. They were really nice. Wow, that's impressive. I probably shot, I don't know, maybe 15 hours on it with so far, which is not that much, considering how long I've had it. And that's kind of indicates one of the drawbacks of it, which is it's kind of a big camera. 
Yeah. You'd think that maybe it's not that much bigger because it's just adding that little uh, amount on the front. It's essentially, it looks like an FS100, but with this extra part on the front between the lens and the body that contains the neutral density ring filter arrangement. But just adding that and whatever they've done to the camcorder, it just makes the camcorder seem a lot bigger. Because of that, I'm using it less. Yeah. I'm not always in a situation where I, I really want to have this pretty big camcorder. And then if you put a big lens on the front, you know, uh, I have this... Um, <laughs> I can just imagine what this thing looks like. So the, the extra part of the camera that has the neutral density, I think that adds about two inches, maybe an inch and three quarters to the front. Okay, so now you've got you've added that pretty substantial amount. Then, usually I use this E-mount to EOS adapter. It's made by this company called Metabones, which is, it's a really great adapter, and it transfers all the electronic info from the EOS-type lens to the E-mount. And you, so you can control things from inside the camera, and it affects the EOS lens, you know, the, the kind of lenses that you use on Canon. Will, uh, w w will you be able to have full auto capability of it if you wanted to? Um, or does it turn it manual completely, and you're just able to use the lens? No, it's 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 definitely got some electronics that can control things. It doesn't activate autofocus on the lenses, and those lenses wouldn't even work for autofocus. They're not designed for that. But it does allow you to operate the aperture mm -hmm. with it. So you can use the aperture dial that's on the camcorder on the FS700, and it can actually open and close the EOS's aperture. So that's actually really versatile. And it's it's it does a really good job in that. And I have a lot of EOS glass from the DSLR days, so it's good to reuse that glass. And it's really expensive. I've And it's nice glass. It's nice glass. I have many thousands of dollars of that glass, so I don't want to have to rebuy it for what a different camera. So um and it's good it's really good glass. There's a few lenses that are, that I have that are that are really nice. Okay, so you add that and then you add that and then a hood maybe on the front. So it gets to be kind of big. Yeah. Now now we're yeah. talking maybe like a foot and a half long. Right. And heavy. So then when you have that big of a system, you kind of need to have something to hold it all. And I'm a little apprehensive about the little E-mount, flimsy E-mount connector holding a big lens. So I actually had this uh, rig made, this company that I really like. There's a guy named Olaf Ekberg, is his name, Olaf Ekberg. And he owns this company called Westside AV Studios. And he's actually a videographer, but he's also kind of a geek and a machinist too. Mm -hmm. He has a really nice machine shop. So... I've communicated with him over the years. He has a site and he does a lot of custom parts for things. And he's done other stuff for my other cameras in the old days. And, and now he got an FS100 and FS700. So he's making stuff for that. So I asked him if he could make a custom, but very lightweight, small footprint rig that could support the lens in front and also maybe have a shoulder support and have a sliding plate so I could move stuff around and balance it. So he made one for me. And it's great, and it's not that heavy or anything, and I can use it as a shoulder mount rig, kind of like a traditional old-style camcorder that mounts on the shoulder. But you add all that stuff up, it becomes this big, heavy thing. And you lift this thing, it's significant with a lens on it. Oh, yeah. So I'm, because of that, I'm kind of, I'm not unhappy that I got it. I'm going to be using it for a lot of stuff, especially the high-speed stuff, but I'm kind of unhappy because I think it's kind of taken me out of the super portable DSLR realm and back into the... Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, kind of good and bad. Like, the FS100 was bigger than a DSLR, but it wasn't that much heavier in its minimum configuration. The FS700 is really just another class of size. 
So, I mean, it really just kind of leapfrogs the DSLR class into a different class of size and weight. So it's good for certain things, but not so good for other things. Right. Definitely. Yeah. You know, I, and, and when I saw your, uh, even the, you know, what I thought the FS100 was, was a pretty big camera, you know, because, you know, I'm so still into the, you know, HDSLRs, you know, and, and, and that's, you know, somewhat small form factor. Your, your thing looks like pretty much what the, uh, you know, what, uh, they have at sporting events running around with, you know, two guys having to hold the cable right behind the guy with the camera and make sure he doesn't trip over anything and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. It's starting uh, to it, approach yeah, that it's size. Big. It's big. Yeah. 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 And, and getting that guy to hold my cables behind me. That can be, that can be very difficult, especially when you don't know the guy. Yeah. Just like people on the street. Could you hold my cables and run around with me? Exactly. <laughs> it doesn't work. Right. But yeah, it's yeah. So I'm still kind of, uh, kind of rethinking that. But in the meantime, you know, technology marches on, and there's like a new must-have camera announced every other week now. Sure. <laughs> of course, of course. So, so let's ask this. Here, here's a better way. Obviously, the FS700 is going to be a camera for you when you when you plan for it, when you need some just spectacular image, which is pretty much all the time, but you're going to definitely have to plan for it, right? I mean, it's not something that you just say, okay, I got to shoot today. I'm going to take the FS700 with me and a uh, couple lenses, and th that's the that, that's that's going to be my run-and-gun uh, 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 unit. That's probably not going to be the case. Yeah, I'm just not going to immediately grab this thing. Like, like, for example, I just went on vacation. I didn't bring that. I brought my my 5D Mark III. Right. And exactly. Because it, it's just, I can just grab it, go, I know I'm going to get pretty nice images, but I don't have to have this huge thing that I have to set up and, and make sure I have the right tripod and all that right. stuff. So, right. yeah, I can J bring, and, and, and even the 5D Mark III is kind of, kind of it's like biggish for a DSLR, but yes. it's way smaller than the FS700. Correct. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, that's not going to be my go-to just grab it and go camera it's going to be like maybe professional shoots i have to make sure that i have my handheld rig right. really set up well with it which i still need to do i haven't quite perfected it i had the fs100 almost down and now right. i'm going to have to redo it a little bit for this bigger version of it but since since i got the fs700 canon has released a pretty nice camcorder uh it's it's a it's a a prequel or a kind of a downgrade from the C300, which is this famous uh, cinema camcorder they they released uh, in the middle of 2012 and has since been used by a lot of people to produce really nice films. It uses EOS lenses as well as other, other lenses. They've come out with the C100, which is kind of a stripped-down, cheapo version of the $15,000 C300, and it's about $7,000. So... It's possible that might be my next camcorder. Ooh, that might be the next one, huh? That might be the next one, because I see that as being very similar to the 5D Mark III in Grab It and Go. Mm -hmm. I can still use all my, my EOS lenses. I don't have to have an adapter for for the conversion from E-mount to EOS, which adds some complexity and extra weight and lack of, um, you know, there's a little bit more fragility to the system. Um, has this great image, probably as good as the FS700, if not better, um, has the ability for a clean HDMI out, is small and light, and has some features on it that 
equal or better the 700 in a lot of ways. So I'm kind of considering that's, that's, unless something else comes out soon, that might be my, my 5D Mark III replacement. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, how about, how about your consideration for the black magic camera? Do you remember that thing? We talked about that early in one of our early, um, podcasts that, that thing was pretty small. Uh, yeah, it's small, but unusable. Really? And, and, and it is a fortune. No, actually, it's not that bad. It's like $3,000. Yeah, well, and for you, me, that's a fortune. <laughs> well, in, in this industry, it's cheap. Correct. It's $3,000 plus you get a free copy of Resolve, which is like $2,000 software. Right. Color correction software. Which is a deal, though. Yeah, if you're in that mode. But if I was like a studio cameraman or director, I think that might be a good choice. But it's not a run and gun system. It's far from it. It's actually be way more trouble than even the FS700. Oh, really? There's a lot more setup on something like that? Yeah, you have to add all kinds of stuff to it to make it usable. It doesn't. It's built-in battery, probably lasts a couple hours, so you have to have external batteries for sure. It has this kind of, sh- kind of reflective, similar to like all the new Macs that have a reflective screen, where you can't, so you have to have some type of eye shade to use it outside or else you can't see it all. Oh, okay. Um, so the whole, a lot of the back part of the Blackmagic camera is uh, LCD, which is probably a pretty nice LCD, but because it's reflective, uh, if you use it in, in a real environment, you'll have a lot of drawbacks. Yeah, and, it, and it's totally flat, right? It doesn't move. I don't think I, th- I no. think it's just flat. It's just the flat. Of the thing. Yeah. yeah, it's like a big version of the DSLRs where mm-hmm. they're not flip, flip uh, swivel screens. And also, a lot of people don't realize that the workflow for the Blackmagic is, is, it takes a lot of data to take advantage of it. Uh, even if you record, if you record ProRes, that's better. But if you record the the raw format, you're using like lots of SSD drives and those are yep. expensive. Yep. Which we talked about before, which was just a ton. And also the fact is they're barely coming out now. They have, they've oh, had really? A, yeah. it's, it's not totally widely available or anything like that? Maybe starting to now, but it was really funny because they said it was going to be available in July, and they've just been apologizing and stumbling over their feet for six months about. And the first ones that came out had lots of problems, and so there's a lot of growing pains with that camcorder. Oof. Yeah. One thing that's re- that might actually have maybe not for me, but for some people is they're they're coming out with a micro four thirds mount for that camcorder. Oh, right. Which, which I think I read opinion, about that. I think I read about that. Yeah. And that actually makes a lot more sense than using the EOS mount. Because by using the Micro Four Thirds mount, you can use all your EOS lenses if you want with the right adapter, but you can use all kinds of other lenses too, including the Micro Four Thirds lenses, which are a lot smaller and lighter, and in some cases cheaper than the EOS lenses. So I should very much consider that then. Yeah, you should just go out and put your deposit on the EOS I will, version of that. I, I will, considering I've... Uh, c- because I cry so often about hard drive space being so expensive. <laughs> Actually, and, something... And I'll, that, need, and I'll need like 5,000 different hard drives in order to use this thing. <laughs> You'll have to totally upgrade your storage infrastructure. <laughs> From whatever it is now, just for my one, just for my one (laughs) hour dopey vacation video that I'm going to shoot with your homemade um, jib, right? But um, exactly, actually, a cam a camcorder that I think that is in your future is the GH3. Oh, absolutely! Oh, you you don't have to sell me on that. I am already drooling 
looking at that thing. I think it. I, I think for me, it looks really, really nice. It's got. Um, I think they added a, a little bit more body weight to the thing. It's a little bit more husky than my original GH1, uh, and you know, needless to say, the GH2, and uh, it supposedly it performs pretty darn well. Yeah, apparently the video on it is excellent, and the low light is a lot better than it used to be. Um, and it's just, the bit rate is pretty high, it's more substantial. I think it's just got a lot a lot going for it. And yeah. it's not that expensive. I think it's in the 1000 to $1,300 range. Uh, it, right? I, I think it's a little bit more than that. I, I, really? I, I want, yeah, I think it's a little bit more. I think it's like in that $1,500 range. Let I, me see. I, I'm gonna, I think. I'm going to look it up. Okay. But um, you, you know, and and I and I have been thinking about that, and um, because you know they do say that it does improve on the low light and stuff like that. But you know what, improving on low light is one of those. I think it's a very dangerous term because you know when you can't shoot in low light and then you improve upon that, how much better can it really be? Is it still <laughs> going to be? I mean, is going to get me closer to the full? sensor size of that of a cannon or you know or something like that i don't know you know what you know uh i i am loyal to my micro four thirds only because i have lenses uh but you know wondering if you know you know am i just spinning wheels uh with with keeping with it just you know just because i have these lenses or should i just make a move to a full censored camera yeah i think you definitely want to investigate the comparison of low light. And I think there's, there's probably some comparisons out there already on Vimeo. Yeah. I, since I have that low light capability with my other camcorders, I'm not so concerned with if I got this one, if it did or not, but for you, if it's your only one, is it going to perform? That's important. Yeah. And, 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 and that's pretty much where my, my thinking is, I mean, you know, will it be an improvement over my GH one? Absolutely. It'll be spectacular over that thing. But if I'm going to be blowing money, you know, would I be better suited just buying a, a, a full censored camera or, or, you know, or just a better version of what I have now? Right. Not sure. Not sure yet. Right. So, Rod, I just looked up uh, the price on this and actually it's available on Amazon. Yes. They're currently in, out of stock, but they will be in stock soon. And it's actually twelve ninety nine. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. That's the version without the lens. That that's body only, body only. Yeah, but no, you already no. have lenses, and most people, probably right. most people that get the GS three, probably have previous versions. Yeah, but yeah. that's not that's a good deal. That's something that I might consider putting on my, on my rig as my second camcorder. Really? Maybe. Hmm. We'll, we'll see. Rather than the little the little uh, Panasonic's camcorders that I'm using, maybe just use this one instead. Right. I'm thinking about it. Right. Well. Well. You know. I'll, Although the the GH three it will be heavier than your little uh, uh, camcorder, it might be a little heavier, but yeah. maybe not that much. We'll have to see. Right, right, yeah. right, right. No, I'm I, I, I'm I'm seriously considering it, but you know, for everything that I mentioned to you before, you know, I'm wondering if I'm just putting lipstick on a pig. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, I love it. I hey, I love GH three. I'm loyal to them and and stuff like that. And I'll always use this GH one. But uh, you know, is it going to get me where I need to go? I'm not right. sure yet. So, well, when you do that investigation, get back, and maybe we'll have a segment on that. Yeah, maybe maybe I'll throw it out to uh, our listening audience out there. 
Well, yeah. if they were me, what would they do? Remember, I'm Mr. El Cheapo. So, uh, right. you know, I got to spend my ducats wisely. Wisely. Yeah. Or maybe someday I'll just be browsing Amazon or B&H and just hit add to cart. Thank and then you. I'll, and then I can review it. Thank you very much. That would be good. And then, and then just leave <laughs> me out in the dark and just let me drool over it some more. <laughs> That's good. All right. So that is the FS700 for you, huh? Right, the FS700 and the Panasonic GH3. Right. And links for both of those are going to be on our website. So if you want to throw us a few coins, you can click on that link. Ladies and gentlemen, here we are at one of our other favorite portions of the show. It is giveaway time. It's contest time right here on Tech Move, and we have a fantastic new product for you that was so generously sponsored by our great friends at Otherworld Computing. So you can find them at the URL of maxsales.com. Now, they have given us this wonderful product that Keith is going to be doing a wonderful, wonderful live opening trial and review as we go through this whole thing. It is a USB-AC wall outlet called the power to You, and it is put out by a company called Newer Technology. And they put out this thing called Power to You. It's an AC USB wall outlet. I think you've seen a lot of those things out there right now where it has the, you know, just the two regular wall outlets, but then there are a couple USB ports that are there to just power up your USB devices. And uh, we have one of those right now that we're going to be giving away. And we're going to be giving it away on our Facebook site or on our website, which, of course, is techmovepodcast.com. You can find the links there. You can find it uh, on our Facebook site. What you'll have to do is that you'll have to like us on our Facebook site. And you'll also have to like Otherworld Computing as well when you go to their link to take a look at the thing. It's really fantastic. Keith, how, how does it look right now? What, what 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 does the packaging look like? Give us a little idea. Well, the packaging, just like the last review, is excellent. It's a lot smaller, obviously. It's just a small outlet box. The other device was much bigger and more complicated. It's in a very nice and somewhat impervious uh, blister pack, just like everything is nowadays. As you remember last time, I almost killed myself trying to open it up. Right, uh, I think I think you needed a commando knife in order to open up the last one. Is that correct? I, I did. I, I went through various uh, forms of sharp instruments until I found the right one. That's great. And so so that was my problem last time. So today I just made sure I had all the right tools, the sharpest things to open the package, the the most powerful power tools. So I have several power tools today to do this installation. And that, uh, that's fantastic. Now it is one outlet, correct? It's 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 one that we have for uh, for giveaway right now. 
Yeah, it's one AC slash USB wall outlet. Right, and I believe uh, it's in black, so it's a it's a, it's a it's a really nice industrial look, I'm sure. And um, so, why don't you go ahead and open up that bad boy? Okay, so I'm gonna flip open my uh, my razor here. And Very I'm good. Cut this open. Hopefully, I'll be able to do this without injuring myself. While you do that, uh, let me read to you from the website. It is the newer technology power to you AC USB wall outlet. Uh, this is a convenient and energy efficient in wall solution for powering and charging USB devices. Now you can charge and or power up to four devices at once when using the USB 3 or 2.0 ports and standard three prong outlets while eliminating unsightly clutter created by multiple cables and bulky power adapters. That sounds like something I need, I'll tell you that much. I got spaghetti everywhere here in this office of mine. It does, and there's really nothing that says I'm a geek than having an outlet that has USB power. <laughs> and it, you know, if you want to advertise that to the world... That's right. No, it's actually a really great idea. I mean, I think I think that probably every outlet in the world is going to have, have something like this at some point, so... Other world computing are quite innovative by offering this. The product itself is a newer technology product. As we said last time, I think it's the same company. But anyway, so it's actually really stylish. The version they sent us is the black version. Right. And I think the black is really nice looking. You know, it's like a shiny black, like a piano black. So kind of glossy a little bit? It's glossy. It has this kind of protective cover on it uh you know that plastic they put over everything to kind yeah. of protect things right sure um, I'm like just a screen off. protector type of thing yeah mm -hmm. i'm peeling off a little bit of it now just to just to see it and it's it's pretty deep it's maybe half an inch deeper than a typical unsophisticated outlet i'm sure it's because it's got some electronics in there to to do this usb power thing right right so i'm gonna, actually going to install this in my wall today excellent excellent yeah i've got an outlet there that's just a regular normal outlet and i'm gonna take the old outlet out and then i'm gonna put this one in good it up good excellent first of all if you don't have any experience doing this you should probably have somebody that's done wiring your house before before you undertake this that's right ladies yeah. and gentlemen tech move does not uh accept any responsibility for misinstallation of this product right or for killing yourself while installing it. Well, you want to put it out that way. I put it out a different way. You're correct. Another thing, if you do install it, even if you have some experience, I recommend, highly recommend um, a couple things. First of all, make sure that you um, turn off the circuit breaker to that circuit you're working on. You know, make sure that that's dead and make sure that you can test it to make sure it's dead. You can get a very inexpensive uh, outlet indicator, I think, less than 10 bucks at any hardware store you can also get a more sophisticated uh, voltmeter multimeter that does a little bit more that's the kind i have i use it a lot regardless of whatever you do you have to make sure that you know which wires are hot and which ones aren't and that and that they're all zero so don't work on anything unless all the wires are zero well, because I'm cheap, I usually just bring a lamp with me, and if it doesn't turn on, then I'm pretty much assured that it's dead. And that is a technique as well. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Actually, it was either that or I was going to stick a uh, screwdriver into the outlet to see if I get shocked or not. That's also another technique. That's another technique with with my feet in in a, in a tub of water, but that's okay. Go okay. Go on. Let's go. So 
Okay, so now the thing is, is that I have so much stuff on this circuit that I'm installing this uh, this outlet on in my house, and and I've done this before. I've, I do this all the time. I do not recommend this. I'm not condoning this, but I am actually going to wire a live circuit. Okay? Oh boy, this is going to be good, ladies and, and gentlemen. And you just have to be really careful. Okay, don't do this. But I am going to be very careful. I'm going to make sure that the hot wire does not touch any anything else, okay? Except what it's intended to. Okay, I do not advocate this. Don't ever do this. Well, but you I'm don't have to tell me twice. I'll tell you that much. I have my multimeter, so I know which wire's hot and which not. Usually the black one's hot, the, the white one's neutral, and then there's the green one's ground. And that's my particular outlet has that wiring. Sometimes instead of uh, black, it's red for the hot. Uh, it depends. Houses are wired differently in different sections. Black or red is usually the hot, but make sure you measure it. Make sure it's at zero before you do anything. So I'm going to go ahead and do this. So I'm going to go and um, unscrew the old outlet. Okay, so I'm going to do that right now. Here I go. Okay, and uh, so how, how, how does the thing look at this particular moment now? Well, I'm looking, I just, um, I'm taking off the plate off, um, the existing plate off the wall. Okay. Just the thing that's covering the outlets. Now, remember, folks, we just cannot stress enough that what Keith is doing right now, we do not advocate, we do not recommend that you do it. You guys should be doing it my way. Which... <laughs> You guys should be doing it my way, which is you turn off everything in the house, everything, plus go over to your neighbors and turn off their power, too, uh, because what Keith is doing is absolutely insane. But that's that's what we do here at Tech Mode. All right. Uh, my screwdriver. Here, let me just I'm just changing the bit here. Okay. <laughs> Great. So, folks, as we anticipate the certain death that's going to be occurring here on this recording, uh, we want to thank Keith for all of his participation here on Tech Move. You've been a wonderful host and a wonderful partner, I, I must say, and it, it's been a pleasure to know you. I feel the same way about you, Rod. <laughs> all right. Uh, okay, remember. So pulling- oh, go, go ahead. Uh, anyway, I've got the outlet kind of loose okay. in the in the in the in the wall. Good, and so it's basically just hanging by the wires. It's still in, inside the its box, and it's still yeah. wired up right now. Oh, it's still yeah. It's I told you it's still wired up. Yep. Okay. I, I do not condone this. Do not do this yourself. But I I'm doing this because I don't want to turn off my appliances and and my computers and my servers and all this stuff. It's it's you know I can't do it. Right. And yet we you know we got to do this review right. Well, like I was telling everyone before, I'll go to the neighbor's house and turn his and turn his power off too. I don't care. I'm doing it. Too bad for them. PG&E, but, could you turn the neighborhood's power off, please? Can, can you turn off our block, please? I'm just too scared. Now I'm I'm carefully, very very carefully, pulling the existing outlet from its box in the wall. Okay, so. I'm waiting here with bated breath. Okay, so I'm, I pulled it out. Uh, luckily, this uh, is pretty neatly wired, and there's quite a bit of slack in the wiring. Okay, so now I'm looking at the wires, and I've got a white wire going to the neutral. I've got a green wire going to the ground on the outlet, and I've got a black wire going. Now, the black one is the dangerous one, okay, usually. <laughs> so I'm going to just make sure I'm going to test it with my multimeter and just measure it. Usually what you want to do is you want to click clip it to the ground, and then put the meter onto AC volts, 
and then I'm gonna just measure that and you touch it and it's yeah it's approximately 120 volts I'm touching the black uh, with the with the red lead of the multimeter mm -hmm. and it's 120 mm -hmm. so now I'm touching um, the uh, the white and it's pretty much zero it's like there's a teeny teeny little bit but nothing that's gonna do any damage okay so I just noticed there's a little bit of drywall I always meant to kind of fix this the wall here while I'm doing this I'm just gonna use my reciprocating saw just a little bit and just cut a little bit of the wall so as you're as we're doing this review ladies and gentlemen Keith is also gonna do a little home remodeling at the same time Okay, then. Just a little piece of drywall that was what, hanging out. What a great segment. This is, this is terrific. Okay. Uh. Don't ever do this, but it's really important. If you're going to be doing this in this dangerous way, make sure you're totally insulated when you are unscrewing the black, which is the hot. Okay? Right. So I'm going to be very, very careful about that. And then once it's off, put a wire nut on it so it can't touch anything. Okay. So be very careful. Make sure you're not touching any ground, any metal. You're not barefoot. Again, never do this, just theoretically, okay, if you were to do this. I'm just going to very, very carefully with a very insulated screwdriver, I'm going to undo the black. The black wire is, is wound around, so I'm just unscrewing it very carefully. I'm not making sure that I don't touch anything else. Okay, I'm taking it off. You have to be very careful. Don't touch any other metal. I got. I got to tell you, my, my my personal guess is that nobody's doing this except for you. Absolutely nobody. Really, you really have to be careful. It's it's a little oh, it's a little tight, and it's a little bit close to the box. If it touches the box, you'll get a spark, and you could have a little explosion. So you don't want that. So I'm taking this. Okay. Oh. Okay. I managed to get it off. <sighs> okay. One hurdle down. So now you want to take a wire nut and. Or, or tape or something and insulate the black. Okay. Now I'm going to just undo the other wires, and this should be simpler, and you don't have to be quite as careful. But still, you know, make sure it doesn't touch anything. Well, uh, the, you, you still have that live wire with the, even though there's a wire nut on it, it's still, it's still live. It, it's still live, and the wire nut could fall off, and it could cause a little spark. Sure. Okay, so I've got all the other wires off now, and now I have the old outlet. I'm going to put that in the to side. Now I am taking the newer tech outlet. So just like any outlet with a plate, you have to remove the plate first before you install it because you need to be able to access the screws that actually screw into the wall box. And that's by removing the front plate. So you just have to gently unscrew the black screws. In this case, they're black. So I'm just unscrewing the, um, the black screws. You have to be gentle with this because you don't want to strip the black. So the plate is interesting because you've got the little USB doors that are kind of going into the normal square opening. Right. And that's part of the plate. So it's a little complexity in the plate. Spring-loaded, actually. So you got to take the plate off, and then that gives you access to the screws to, to screw it into the box. And I'm going to wire that in. Excellent. I'm not reading the instructions. I, I'm going to guess that it's, it's relatively easy to, to put together. you just got to put the... The, the the hot to it and, and the ground and all that stuff. Except it's not really that obvious. I mean, I know just from where the wires are, right? Where, where to connect it, but it doesn't like say hot here, neutral here. Hey, you know what, Keith? You know what's really neat is that uh, as I'm uh, on the 
other world computing website looking at the product, looking at the power to you AC USB wall outlet, they actually have uh, installation videos uh, uh, on on this particular site. So um, you know you can you can watch that. Uh, uh, you know, of course, you'll everyone out there listening will do it much more carefully than what Keith is doing. But uh, nonetheless, there is an installation video on the OWC site. Oh, okay. Sorry, the wire nut just fell off the black wire, but I got it back on. I think. You have not had any sparks or anything yet, correct? Uh, maybe just a little, just a touch. <laughs> oh, man. Nothing. <laughs> <just> nothing that <laughs> big. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, nothing, nothing that... Uh, Second degree burns can't handle. It's awesome. I'm saving so much time by not having to shut down my servers. <laughs> and that's what it is. That's really what it is, is that we're trying to save time from not turning off servers. I you have very be, little you could very be, little time to spare. You could be taking a dirt nap after this thing. <laughs> what is a dirt nap? Huh? What's a dirt nap? when we're burying you <laughs> when we're burying you dead because you're dead from electricity. That's a dirt nap. <laughs> okay. So I'm just loosening the um, all the different nuts and things. And when you strip the wiring, you probably just make sure that it's straight. It's got a very nice way of sticking the straight wire in. I don't think I'm going to do that because the wires are already kind of bent in that kind of curve. So I'm just going to put them in that configuration on this device sure and okay so I am going to now wire up now I'm going to carefully um, put on the neutral which is the white and by the way the neutral is the longer spade when you look at the outlet it's the one that's a little bit uh taller than the the other one that's the standard so without reading the instructions i'm just putting it on that side of the outlet although i would recommend that anybody installing this just watch the videos on on the owc website and make sure you do it the right way yeah it's, it really is a a good video um it, it's very very complete very comprehensive so Hats off to our friends over at OWC. Again, and they're at maxsales.com. And uh, you can look up the, uh, the, the the product there. Again, the newer technology power to you AC USB wall outlet. Okay, now I'm screwing in the white lead, which is the neutral. That's the one that doesn't have any power. It's usually the safest. Although you have to be careful because some houses are wired wrong. So you can't rely on the white one being dead. Right. Right. And I've, I've found that out. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, that's great. And now I'm doing the other safe one, which is the ground. Again, it's, sometimes it's possible that the ground is live. So you have to make sure that it's, that it's not. And just be careful. Still don't touch it to things if you don't have to. And and that's why you have the voltage uh, meter there. Is that correct? It is. Yeah, it is. I usually clamp it to the metal case of the fixture if you have a metal one. Sometimes they're plastic, so you have to 
just use the ground wire instead as the reference point. So now I'm attaching the ground wire. I have to say that I really like the build quality of this newer tech unit. I mean, everything's top, top notch. And I work with a lot of expensive electrical stuff, like from Smart Home and from Leviton. And this is at least as good as that stuff. Great. So I'm... It looks re- it really looks terrific. I mean, it looks great from the website. It's uh, it re- really looks like an awesome product. Okay, so now I am actually going to be doing the dangerous wire, which is the black wire. Here we go, kids. Stand by. And uh, now hey. you have to be really careful taking off the wire nut. I am making sure that I am not going to touch this to anything, any kind of metal, anything really. I mean, even plastic. Don't even. I'm not even thinking about touching that side. So this is like. This is kind of like micro heart surgery right now. And this is the time in the bomb diffusing movies where, is it the yellow wire? Is it the blue wire? Well, is it the yellow? Is it the blue? Which one should I cut? And, and, and like I was just thinking, this is very much like old school, uh, that board game operation where you're not trying to touch the sides to get the funny bone. It's exactly like operation. R- exactly. Here you go. Ladies and gentlemen, stand by. You could hear... The frying of a human being right now. Here we go. Okay, so I'm just carefully with my insulated pliers. I'm glad I'm not near you. <laughs> I really am. I, I mean, I, I'm i in the safety net of my own studio right here, and um, I, I don't want to see this. I don't want to be near it. I'm just carefully putting this on, and I'm... Okay, I, tu- I touched it to the... Oh. Can Keith finish the installation of the newer technology USB wall outlet? Can Keith even survive the installation of the newer technology USB wall outlet? Stay tuned for our exciting conclusion of that segment here on Tech Move. We'll be right back. Well, it looks like that's going to do it for this fine, fine episode of Tech Move. I think this is episode number five. And uh, you know what? We want to just take this moment to, again, thank all of our listeners out there for the patience that you guys have had as we've kind of taken a little bit of a break uh, to get this one together. And uh, we assure you, we will be putting together more and more of these uh, lovely little Tech Move episodes as the year goes on. So we want to thank you for your support. Thank you for your patience. And uh, Keith, I had a terrific time. How about you? I had a great time. It's really great to be back. Thanks, yeah, it Rod. is. It, it, it really is great to be back. And I'm really looking forward to putting you to a lot of work of doing a lot of editing. So uh, thank you very much for that, Keith. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Anytime I can watch you work, make you work, whatever it is, uh, I, I think I've I've achieved my my daily goal. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Uh, so, hey, uh, folks, until next time, again, catch us on iTunes, catch us on Stitcher, catch us on techmovepodcast.com, catch us on the Facebook page at Tech Move Podcast. We'll see you next time on Tech Move.